All right, um, join me, if you will. We're going to start this morning in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Starting in verse 24. Uh, Before we begin to read that, though, I just want to pray for us one more time. Father God, I just thank you for all my brothers and sisters in this place. Lord, I pray that you would enlighten us, Father, that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive all that you have for us, Father God, that we would know the exceeding power that you have towards those who love you, Father, and the inheritance uh, that you have in the saints, Lord. Just enlighten the, the, the eyes of our heart and our understanding to know you, to walk after you, and all we do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I have a question. Has anyone here ever ran a race? Ever done track, maybe, or, or ran against your friend down the alleyway or across a field? Um, you know, there's actually an interesting thing about running that you may or may not know. If you ran a lot, you probably know this. There's, there's one rule. If you're going to be serious about running, if you're going to be serious about a competition, especially in a, in, a, in a race on the track, there's one main rule, and it's do not look back. Do you know that? That when you're running... There's the temptation to look over your shoulder and to see who's behind you and to see who's there. But it's a fact that looking behind you actually slows you down, right? It actually slows you down. See, you were made to run facing forward. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about running today and uh, what it means to be a good runner. But first, I want to read with you 1 Corinthians 9 verse uh, 24 through 27. Paul writes, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it, meaning runners, actual runners, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we... We run for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So the message uh, today is entitled, Quit Looking Back. Right? Quit Looking Back. See, God has called us to run a race of faith, okay? He has called us to run a a race, to look forward, and to understand that our goal, our prize, is an imperishable crown. That means that when Christ comes to judge the living and the dead, that he's going to call us forward, and he's going to call us into victory, and that, that kingdom that he has, that absolute rule and authority that he has, he is going to share that inheritance that he has as the Son of God, that one visible essence in which the fullness of God dwells in. He's going to share that kingdom. He's going to share that glory. He's going to share that blessing with us who have been adopted as sons. Right? He's going to share that with us. That's the goal. But between now and then, God has called us to run. See, the interesting thing um, 
about running on a track, right? So if you think about a, a track that they have at school, there's different lanes, okay? And it goes in a circle, and there's some curves, right? In that track, there may be some hurdles. But when you get put into a race, you get put into one specific lane, right? You get put in one specific lane. And as long as you run in that lane, and as long as you keep running, sooner or later, you're going to finish the race. Sooner or later, the race is going to come to an end. Now, depending on the race, um, again, there may be some curves, there may be some obstacles, but we're called to run. Now, many times in our lives as we're um, running towards our goal, Satan, Satan, he's not going to win, okay? Let me just say that. In this, in this race that we're running, we have an enemy, and he already knows he's losing. He already knows he's losing. And the only thing Satan can really do is try to trip us up along the way, right? Satan knows that since he can't beat the people who God has called, that if he can at least get some people to not run the race, there's at least some sort of satisfaction, there's at least some sort of delusion of victory for him, right? And so he uses different things in our lives. He uses failures. He'll use success. Oh man, will he use success, right? And he'll use other people to distract us and to get our eyes off the goal. You know, because the thing about running is when you're running straight and you start wondering, hey, I wonder where everybody else is in this race. And so you look back and the only thing that's happening when you start to look and you start to compare yourself to the other runners is you're slowing yourself down. Not only that, but if you're not looking forward, you know what can happen? You can get off track. You can get off track, right? You can go to the left. You can go to the right. And when you step off track, you're not getting closer to the goal. You're getting farther, right? And you have to realign. Not only that, but if you're not watching where you're going, if you're not alert, if you're not a paying, paying attention, if you're not founded, right? You don't understand where your feet are going. You know what might happen? You might trip. You might stumble. Has anybody, anybody ever been running really, really fast and then tripped? And just, that is not fun, okay? That is not fun. And I just want to encourage everybody that um, if you're running really fast, please look in front of you because that's not something you want to do. Well, spiritually speaking, many times we can do the same thing. We can begin to run this race. We can begin to see the, the <laughs> hey, buddy, we can begin to see the glory of God and see what he's called us to. We begin to, to experience this fellowship in the spirit. And then what started in the spirit, what started in this fullness of God having a relationship with us and inviting us in, right, into this kingdom becomes a comparison where we're looking at, oh, well, what about that person's gift? Well, what about that person's blessing? How come I'm not blessed like they are? Maybe, maybe I really need to be like him or her, right? And we start, we start to judge ourselves. We start to compare ourselves. And many times it can trip us up, right? Many times it can make us uh, stumble. It can make us fall. It can make us lose our way. 
And what comes with that, what tends to come with that, is shame. Anybody ever felt shame before? Inadequacy? I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Right? It can, it can really just, um, it can disable us. Honestly, it can disable us. Many times we get into a situation, we try so hard and, and something happens or, or, or maybe we do something we know we shouldn't have done and it comes out to light and everybody knows about it and we're hurt, other people are hurt and we just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. It didn't work the first time, it's not going to work the second time. And see, these are the type of things that Satan wants to whisper in our ear, hey, it didn't happen, it's not going to happen. Right? Hey, you prayed it once, God didn't answer. He's not going to answer. I was reading out of Isaiah just a couple days ago, and uh, Sennacherib sends his messenger to tell Israel, isn't it your God who sent Sennacherib against you to take away your kingdom? And Israel was in the middle of being judged, so that sounded pretty spot on. But what they didn't realize is that God had promised them that that was their land. That that was their land. And when Hezekiah went and he stood and he took the, the scrolls and he laid the word of God before him and cried out, God honored Hezekiah and his prayer, not Sir Na- Sir, uh, that guy, <laughs> Sennacherib, there you go, not that guy, right? And so Satan will come and he'll tell you, hey, isn't God doing this to you, right? You're not supposed to have that blessing. You're not supposed to be in that place. And there's a big difference between God telling you you're not supposed to be there and the enemy telling you not, you're not supposed to be there. God comes with a conviction that moves our heart. The enemy comes with shame and guilt and burden. And we as a church need to, need to, to understand that, right? Because if in the same race, if suddenly the, the coaches go out and they start putting hurdles in your way, um, I've jumped hurdles before, not in competition. And I've also um, not jumped high enough before. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of embarrassing when you eat it, Okay. And the truth of the matter is, when you first start running, you're not the best runner. When you first start jumping hurdles, you're not always real good at it. But no one expects the freshman in high school to come up and run like a uh, varsity runner, right? They understand that, hey, we're going to put you on the race, we're going to get you going, and if you stumble, you fall, we're going to pick you back up, we're going to send you back out. And you're just going to go, and you're going to go, and you're going to go, and you're going to go. And when that race day comes, we're going to cheer you on. We're going to yell your name, and we're going ke- to yell, keep running. Keep running. And here's the thing. A good coach, a good coach, I, wanted, I want you to imagine yourself running right down the track. And you see there's that first hurdle, and you go to jump, and your foot catches it, and you fall. Now, if you're in the middle of a race, if you're in the middle of a competition, what is your coach going to start yelling at you? Get up! Get up! Run! 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 Right? And when you get up and you start running and you jump the next hurdle, what is the crowd going to do? They're going to cheer. They're going to clap. Yes! Run! 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 Right? The only person who's going to laugh, who's going to shame, who's going to say Keep, stay down. You know the only person who's going to yell that? The other team. Because they don't want to see your victory, right? They don't want to see you do good. They want you to be shamed. They want you to be embarrassed. They want you to sit out on the sideline. But no runner in their right mind, having missed the first hurdle, 
sits down and stops running. That would be insane. I have never, ever, ever, unless maybe due to an injury, right? I've never in my life seen someone fall in a run and then just sit down on the track and just hold themselves. That would be insane. Everybody would be like, oh my, what are you doing? Right? Nobody, nobody shames the runner for tripping. If the runner goes off track, they don't shame him. For, if he falls on the hurdle, on the, on the, you know, if he stumbles, they don't shame him. No, they yell, keep, get up, keep running. And this is, this is how God is towards us, right? Paul says that when we view our relationship with the Father, when we understand this Christian life that we've been called into, a life of service, a life of communion with the living God, Okay? A life where we have to stiff arm the unholy things of the world and live in a way that glorifies God. You know, I just preached uh, last Tuesday at Reset, and my first uh, message, we're doing a series on purpose, and my first message was on, on what is God's purpose? Not what is God's purpose for your life, or, but just in a general sense, what is God's purpose? And the only true, full answer to the question, what is God's purpose, is to glorify himself. To glorify himself. That he is worthy of glory. He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of worship. And so when he calls us, he calls us into a blessed relationship, a relationship where he loves us and he pours out gifts and grace, but it's so we can live a life that worships him. Right? Jesus says no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. The glory of that light doesn't go anywhere. No one sees it. No one is illuminated by that. But you, when you receive the glory of God, when you become a light, be a light to the world. Let it shine, right? And so God has called us to race, but Paul says, race in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Actually, I want to stop right there. I want to focus on that one word. He says, when I run, I don't run with uncertainty. I don't run with uncertainty. Well, why not? I know I've done competitions, and I feel a little uncertain sometimes. But Paul says, no, not me. I'm not uncertain. And here's a secret to the Christian lifestyle. You don't have to be uncertain. God has very clearly mapped out what our goal is. Very clearly. He says, keep your eyes on that, on the things that are above, and run. God has given us his word as his guidelines. Hey, this is how I want my son to appear in your life. This is how I want you to allow the Spirit to lead you. This is how I want you to live. Those are the guidelines. Just stay in your lane, right? But the biggest secret to the Christian life is knowing that even though we're running, even though we have obstacles, even though we have guidelines, guys, we've already won. He says, run the race to obtain the prize, but the secret to the Christian lifestyle is when you are born again by the Holy Spirit, you are sealed for the day of redemption, you've already won. 
the place where uncertainty comes into a Christian's life is when we forget which team we're on and we, we don't realize who's yelling at us from the crowd. We don't realize that our, a good coach doesn't yell, stay down, move to the side. How could you? Well, that's what we hear sometimes, sure. Sometimes we hear you're not good enough. Sometimes we hear you're not going to make it. You know, you, I can't believe you did that. You're disqualified. But we fail to recognize what voice that is. Right? When Jesus saved you, when Jesus saved you, by the way, he could have on the cross like 2,000 years ago. So either um, he's going to have to do that again, or that payment was good enough for all people across all times. And the answer is B, <laughs> right? He knew you and your life, not up to today, not up to yesterday, not up to the last time you said, forgive me. No, 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 no. He knew your life from the moment you were born to the moment you die from before eternity began, before time began. And when he paid your debt, he paid all of it. First John says that when we walk in the light like he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the truth. That's the truth. But here's the thing, guys. We have to learn to forget. Philippians 3, verse 12 through, I'm sorry, verse 13 through 16. Paul, again, writes, Brethren, <laughs> the same Paul who's running this race, the same Paul who told us this is how you need to do it, while he was still running the race, right, wrote another epistle, and he says, I don't count myself to have apprehended it, right? I haven't even got there yet. But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Here's the thing. We have to learn to forget, right? It does not matter how many races you've won. When you start a new race, those trophies don't help you win, right? The last hurdle you leaped doesn't guarantee you'll leap the first one. And we have to forget even those things we think, you know, make us something or someone. We have to be humble, right? We have to allow ourselves to be clothed with Christ and know that each day, man, I need Jesus again. The Bible says his mercies are new each morning, now, that's a fact, whether we accept that or not. But the question is, do we go to him? Do we receive those mercies? Do we, uh, do we acknowledge to ourselves and to each other, we need those mercies each morning? We have to forget those things. We have to ask, Lord, what do you have for me today? Lord, where are you leading me tomorrow? Lord, how can I know you more? And furthermore, those, those failures those times when you didn't make it, those times when you didn't feel adequate, those hurdles that you didn't quite jump, you have to forget those too. Because he's called us today to run again. To run again. 
And if you felt depressed or defeated or unworthy, God, you got to understand, God's the good coach, man. He's, the only thing he's really worried about is that you finish well. That's what Christ is calling us to, to run and to finish well. Obviously, not falling is better. Not looking behind, not trying to focus on the past, not trying to compare yourself to other people, but keeping your mind on the prize and running forward, that is what God wants. But you know what? If you do stumble, if you do stray, if you do miss it and fall on your face, Christ is there saying, hey, it's okay, get up. Run, 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 run. And as you get closer and closer and closer to the race, or to the end of the race, you get closer to the finish line, there he is with the heavenly host saying, yes, 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 well done. Well done. You ran the race. That is, that is Christ's desire for you. Do you know that? Christ is not like putting some burden on you. They have to do all these works. They have to do all these things. And if you do it right, well, then maybe I'll give you a well done. No, Christ's desire is for you. He wants to be there with open water. He wants to welcome you. Say, well done. Just run the race, right? Today, I just want to pray over you all. And if there's anything that's been stopping you, that's been stopping you from going where God has called you, if there's any shame, any guilt in your life, and it's been sapping the joy from you, I just want to invite you to give those things up today because they have no place in your life. They have no place. If Christ has forgiven us, we have no right to not forgive ourselves. And the enemy has no foothold, has no power over his beloved. So let's pray today. Father God, I thank you so much in the name of Jesus Christ that you, Lord, you have called us. You have given us a good race. You have given us a goal and the guidelines. And Lord, truly, you're the one running for us. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to abide in you. Lord, that your spirit would just be the thing that we're focused on, that your word would be in front of us, Lord, that we would seek you daily. And that, Lord, we wouldn't turn back. We wouldn't look back to what what, what was or what should have been or what could have been, but Lord, that we would just press onwards to that call, Lord, that you're calling us upward in Christ Jesus. And I pray for everyone here, Lord, that guilt and shame, Lord, that burden would fall off right now in the name of Jesus Christ and that your love would so fill us, Lord, that even maybe we, maybe we were the person who fell and we moved off and we just sat down. Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to get back in that race, Lord. I pray that you would teach us to love running, Father God, and that we would chase after you with a fervent desire. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.